It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome in. GC Live, Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Man, the numbers are going to be dwindling today. We are missing our YouTube stream, uh, so apologize in advance. That is normally, and still will be from this point forward, the best place to watch the show live. Um, unfortunately, uh, we're having some technical difficulties on the connection between our streaming software and YouTube Live, so... I will still, I believe, be able to post this video on YouTube after the fact. I will do that. We are also streaming right now on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, so if you're watching on Twitter and you want to get a comment in that we will see, I'm going to say a sentence I will never, ever say again. Head on over to Facebook. Um, (laughs) Not not a big Facebook fan here, but uh, today that's what we got to do. So, um, yeah. Facebook and Twitter are where it's at for the stream. Of course, the audio will be posted um, after the fact as well. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. This is GC Live and is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. There you see Clint right there on your screen. 71597 is the NMLS number. Clint is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. C. Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com is how you can email Clint. And uh, 803-771-6933 is how you can call him. Or you can just go to ClintHammond.com and get more information there. We appreciate Clint being now a long-time supporter and presenting sponsor of GC Live. Um, Not a whole lot new today, but we wanted to hop on and maybe talk a little bit of recruiting, talk some big picture. And there was a little bit of an update today from Shane Beamer on Zeb Nolan. Um, Man, the, the... when the news first came out that Nolan was was hurt, Chris, um, I think a lot of people rolled their eyes at the notion that that he may be back for the Florida game. Um, also, though, important to remember, meniscus injuries, uh, nowhere near kind of being what, um, you know, the results of, of what are some much more serious other knee injuries that, that you see guys have. Meniscus tears these days, I guess, depending on how severe the tear is, you can get back relatively quick. Beamer saying today, I'm going to find the quote, um, as of yesterday when the surgery got done um, and went well, and based on what we've heard this morning, nothing has changed with Zeb. You'd think after his surgery he'd have a hard time moving around, but he took our team picture in the football stadium, and I watched Zeb, Zeb with my own eyes climb a few rows of bleachers, get in position to take the picture. He's not hobbling around like a cripple right now. He's moving pretty good. Um, Shane Beamer said. So it it does sound like Zeb Nolan very well could be available for that Florida game. That said, Chris, I still think um, this is maybe, this is maybe the time there's never a better time than right now to start to get Jason Brown ready for an opportunity for a shot. Um, Obviously 
you know, with practice, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how quickly Zeb can get back out there moving around and uh, and what that effect will be. But but certainly, as far as Zeb's health, good news for him. It sounds like surgery went off without a hitch, and um, it is good to go. Yeah, and, and it will be interesting to see. I mean, I had the same reaction when the release was put out about Nolan's surgery as many other people probably had, and that, as you said, West Meniscus, obviously not in the same stratosphere as, you know, an ACL or something like that, but still an injury and still a surgery. And so anytime you have surgery, um, you have a recovery period, you have potential pain and, and it's just some things to manage. So, uh, you know, Nolan obviously got knocked around as Shane Beamer said, had a bloody everything in the Texas A&M game and got banged up. And so um, ha- had this procedure, is this the correct time or the right time, I guess is a better term, you know, to turn to Jason Brown good chance that that's going to be the case, right? With, with Zeb being sidelined for a little bit with, I mean, the staff look was trying to do anything to create a spark offensively, you know, um, this seems like, you know, the right time to, to do that. So I think you said yesterday that that was your expectation or something. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You'd be surprised if it wasn't that to me seems like the direction that, uh, that this is going to go to look at T Thompson, Switching over to Facebook. Yeah, Dedicated. I, hopefully, uh, although doesn't T come in on Facebook sometimes anyway? I, I don't know. I think they, T is a YouTuber. T is a YouTuber? You sure? I T, let us know, man. Um, I, uh, I I tell you what. Um, yeah, I, I still – now, I was a little bit saying that because I was going to be highly surprised if Zeb was 100% ready to, to play. Um. But still, I mean, that, that's the direction I, I think it's going. That's the direction. I think you, you spend these two weeks getting them ready, and, and then, you know, you go from there. As Jamie says on Facebook, uh, my plan would be to start Brown and bring in Nolan, the Vandy method, have him as the reliever um, if needed, I, be, I believe would probably be the, the approach you take there. And, and, yeah, I agree, man. I, I do think you, you look at Jason when the staff has talked about him. They haven't necessarily talked about in the past um, – his slipperiness, like his ability to make people miss, uh, his ability to move in the pocket, I, uh, I, I think he kind of uh, displayed some of that last week. So um, the the opportunity there for him to come and just show what he can do. No, South Carolina's not going to be favored against Florida. I know in house, you know they go into every game. You know your your players expect to win, your people in the building expect to win, but. Uh, you know, to be completely honest, that you're going to be an underdog in that game. I think rolling the dice and, and giving another guy a shot, it just makes sense at, at this point in time. Yeah, it does. I mean, like, like I said a few minutes ago, create that spark. And that that's kind of – given the circumstances make sense to do it, but even with a healthy Zeb, Wes, um, even if he's totally ready to go with Florida, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense to do it. And like you said, he brings a different look. Um, there's some things, obviously, that we have been talking about since the spring or since Jason Brown enrolled, um, and he's come a long way. I think the staff's even said that publicly in terms of, you know, he's gotten better, um, getting more comfortable, losing some weight, all those different things that he's done, uh, but there's still some work to be done that, that's needed to be done, and obviously getting experience with, with something. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities this season. A lot of it, people have been clamoring for him to get more opportunities not surprising. He's a backup quarterback. If your starter is not absolutely lighting it up, 
there's always going to be calls for the backup or maybe the backup's backup in this in this instance. And so that's what we've seen. Um, so, you know, Jason has an intriguing skill set. Again, we talked about this right after the game on Monday. We we saw some bits and pieces of, of the full, you know, exactly what we thought the Jason Brown experience was based on the limited sample size we'd seen and some things we'd heard. And that is he's going to take some chances, sometimes maybe to his detriment, but he also can make some plays, the off rhythm, the off platform plays. He's slippery in the pocket. He can run for you a little bit. And he does have a good arm. He's certainly got arm talent. He can probably do some things in the passing game, Wes, that I would argue uh, maybe nobody else on the roster can do just in terms of being able to create some things with his arm and his ability to move. So will be interesting. And um, I, I think that Gamecock fans may get their first look at a start for Jason Brown. Let's go out to uh, Facebook on our Primal Gourmet chat line uh, to Chris. Chris says, I don't want to perp- perpetuate the rumors. That is the word. Um, but have you heard the one regarding Coach Beamer and Virginia Tech? It's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, we've all seen it, heard it, whatever. Um, I don't necessarily know where exactly it, it started. Was there an article or something? I don't know. Um, guys, I, I I see no scenario where, where that happens. Like, I, I don't see Shane Beamer. I guess the – what is the thought that – Puente is on like a hot seat right now that will open and Shane will just crawl back to Blacksburg. I mean, uh, did, did, uh, did Paul Feinbaum start that one? Is that right? (laughs) Is that it? Are you serious? Yeah. Did he not? I don't know. I really don't. I haven't read it. I I saw that, you know, I've only seen honestly, Wes, and this might be a failure on my part. Like, People saying that it's out there. T says it is fine, Bob. Yeah, th- there's no. I'll go ahead and step in. There's nothing to that. And, and the reason I'm so confident in it is because of this. You know, last year, if you go back to that, j- this isn't Justin Fuente's first time on the hot seat. Remember, you know, this has been kind of going on at Virginia Tech for at least a year, maybe two years. And so after last season, or in the midst of last season, there was a thought that Virginia Tech could potentially move on. And while I'm not saying that Virginia Tech's administration necessarily was looking at Shane Beamer, although I'm sure he would have been on any short list or long list for Virginia Tech, there was some interest there, right? So, um, and another thing I'm confident in is, you know, like Shane Beamer, a lot of people say, you know, coaches be like, this is the only place I'd ever go. This is my dream job. I think Shane Beamer actually means that. And so what I mean by that is if you had the Virginia Tech job here and you had the South Carolina job here, they're both open at the exact same time. I firmly believe that Shane Beamer wanted the South Carolina job. And that makes sense. You know, um, it, there's a lot of reasons for that. One is following your dad at a place, even if it's not directly following him. Um, but there's, there's a lot of things there, but there's nothing to it. People are getting way, I'm not surprised that that's kind of taken on a little bit of a life because that's a typical like sports talk, you know, thing that would come up, you know, um, not surprised, but there's just, there's nothing to that. Yeah. I, uh, well, and it, it was 
Feinbaum who started it, but then it was picked up by the newspaper. Um, I'm not going to say the name just because the uh, the articles I'm seeing. Oh no, I will say the name. Uh, it okay. So the state picked up a article. The state used Feinbaum's quotes to make an article. Basically, is um, is what it was. So. That, that that's why and then it gets spread on you know on facebook the article gets passed around and um it becomes like an it's actual- a fact yeah and that yeah. and that's the part like i love the accessibility of information nowadays is awesome but it can be problematic with either straight misinformation or disinformation we won't get into that that's a separate non-sports podcast but you've also got opinions that one radio host, sports writer, whatever may have, and then it gets nobody's passing it off as fact. Like the state publishing that in a story isn't passing it off as this is fact. Fine bombs right, or he's even fine bombs presenting as fact, right? But it just takes on a life of its own where people say, Oh, this guy said this. Like that must be a possibility. It's not a possibility. Yeah. Nick says, I don't think Beam will go to VT, but I should I wouldn't be surprised. I think you should be surprised. Like that's yeah, it, it's not. It's not happening, y'all. Like it's. It's really not. We can close um, the book on it. Feinbaum, his job is to say things that get a reaction, to give opinions that get people fired up, and he is honestly one of the absolute best at uh, <laughs> yeah. at invoking at invoking reactions from people. So, you know, that, that's what he does. Good job by him, but but no, not happening. Um. Let's see, there's another question on Facebook I wanted to hit from Nick. Uh, why are there a bunch of fans ready to throw Zeb to the side? It is ridiculous. You know what? I, I don't think uh, in this case, you know, some of it, guys, some of it, like Chris said, backup quarterback, always going to be the most popular dude on the field. The second a quarterback is not perfect, he becomes the, the man in people's eyes because they haven't seen the backup quarterback mess up much. So you you build it up in your head that, hey, this guy could be outstanding. But, you know, in this case, I don't think anybody's just tossing Zeb to the side. I think it's just a matter of you have four games, and, you know, J- Jason Brown, Jason Brown's been at South Carolina for, for one season, um, you know, for eight games. And he he's going to have a decision to make at the end of the year. He has one year of eligibility left. Um you know, he can play that year at South Carolina or he can play that year somewhere else. Like, I um, I think, you know, you, you need to find out, is this a guy that's going to be in a position to, to help your football team? Does he give you a chance, a better chance to win right now? Could, could he give you a, a chance to win next year with, you know, with time, uh, you know, at this level? You just don't know. And I'm, I'm sure the coaches feel like they have an idea of what they've seen in practice. And And I'm not sitting here saying, Jason Brown's going to go light up Florida's defense by any means. But you know what? It's Luke is out. Zeb is banged up. This is Zeb's last year regardless. So, I mean, I can get behind the idea. Um, you know, I've already said it. I said it before the news was even out there publicly that if it was me, this is when I'd take a long, hard look uh, at Jason Brown uh, getting his opportunity. So we'll, we'll see what that looks like. We'll see what happens. Um We'll see what offensive game plan they put together, maybe around him. But that's uh, that's the latest, and that's nothing against Zeb at all. Um, I, I think Zeb 
if you really, you know, Zeb, Zeb has saved South Carolina. Like Zeb has helped South Carolina to several victories this year, uh, you know, when, when they needed him most. So I, I think you have to credit him for that. And I'm not even saying the last four games don't matter as far as wins and losses, but I do think, um, shoot, man, I'll, I'll go it. I'll go into other positions too. Do you want to see, we, we saw more of Mo Kaba this past Saturday than maybe we've seen before. Do, do you want to see some more of Mo during these final four games? Do you want to see some, some Debo Williams who, by the way, I, when I went back and watched the game, which I did, by the way, go back and watch the game. Um, whew, no comment. Tough one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Dude, D- Debo as, as, is as advertised because we, we knew this was like an attacking style kid. We knew he was a physical kid. Um, it is, it didn't matter that it was the fourth quarter. It didn't matter that South Carolina was down. Um, this guy is going towards the football. Now, it, it may not necessarily be the exact route to the football that was designed, but my man is going aggressively. So that that was on brand for the scouting report as well. Yeah, I mean, and that that's always fun to me, Wes, when, um, you know, kind of like the Jason Brown experience, you get the Debo Williams experience, and, like, it, it just matches kind of exactly what you expect with the book on a guy. It's kind of fun, kind of funny. But, yeah, I mean, the dude plays – I mean, he plays with a lot of energy. And so I think there is – there's some good – like sometimes there's some good arguments that have been brought up over the course of the season that you can see why the staff, like, is maybe not playing guys more at certain times, but then there becomes a point where, yeah, it, it probably actually makes sense. And so for me, I look at the situation at linebacker and go, some other guys need to play because, A – there's some guys, Mo Kaba, Debo Williams, who have some talent. Daryl Ware has played well at times. But B, man, Damani Staley and Brad Johnson have taken tons of snaps this season. And fortunately for South Carolina, they've stayed healthy. We, we've already documented how big Sherrod Green's loss was for the Gamecocks. That was, that was substantial. That, that was very, very hurtful because then you take a situation where, you know, you're probably using Damani Staley to spell – either Green at the mic or Johnson at the will, or both because he can play both. Instead, you're putting him as the starter at Mike, and you're asking him to play 65, 75 snaps a game. That's not ideal. He went, what, three or four games in a row not coming off the field. And that's not ideal for anybody, you know. So for all those reasons, I think it makes sense to get the other guys in. And I know Clayton White went into this year wanting to – you know, ideally, ideally as a DC, you would like to have like five guys that you could count on to play. Obviously, they haven't felt like <clears throat> in key times, games that are, you know, still in question, uh, key snaps, they haven't felt like those guys are ready. Now, Mo Cobb has played certain games. He'd play, you know, seven snaps, something like that at the Will Linebacker spot. But playing them more, I think you can make a, a pretty good case for that, you know, going down the stretch. Yeah, and I, I was curious, man. I went back and looked. Mo entered the game beginning of the second quarter um, in replace of Brad Johnson at the will um, last week. So that, you know, a little bit earlier than normal. And then the other guys came in second half was Daryl Ware and Debo Williams. I was trying to tell, I'll tell you what, man, it actually is kind of hard to tell the way they line up on defense with, you know, in this 4 2 5 exactly 
who at all times is playing their mic and their will. Um, because I, I was doing it, I was trying to figure it out by just watching Damani and whether he was lining up, uh, whether he was always in between the nickel and the wheel, but he's not. It, it, depending on the play, he's not always lined up in between like you think of when you think of a true like middle linebacker. Um, so then I was trying to decide, figure out, is it by the strength of the formation? Is it by field versus boundary? Like what? how exactly? Because I was I was trying to find out who was playing which spot among the backups because some of those guys are listed at the same spot on the depth chart, but then we're playing on the field at the same time. Uh, from, from what I could tell, it looked like Mo Kaba entered the game um, at the will, which is Brad Johnson's spot, and then replaced him, um, but then was on the field with Damani. And then when Damani finally came off and they brought Daryl Ware in, I think Kaba shifted over to the mic um, with Daryl playing the wheel. But I but don't quote me on that. That's and, and some people are probably turning this off right now because they don't care about stuff like that. I, I enjoy those details as far as who – because I, I think the problem – the issue has been not trusting anyone clearly to, to step in um, for, for Damani and, and spell him you know, at times early in a game and feeling comfortable enough with that, with all that I assume, you know, comes with that position as far as communication to the rest of the guys. So that, that was interesting. I, I don't know. Again, nobody's saying you're just experimenting with the final four games, but I do. I, I want some more information if I'm the staff on, on some of these younger guys. Uh, O'Donnell Fortune got in at cornerback. Uh, now he's played some this year. Uh, Dominic Hill got in some late in the game. We saw Jamar Brown's return, um, playing some late in the game. So uh, th- there was some rotation towards the end. Let's see. Chris wants to know, can we look at moving Joyner to an emergency option at quarterback? I mean, I, I think I would already categorize him as that. You know, he, he's got the QB packages. They've worked on them all year. There's going to be no – he's not going to go be in the QB room by any chance. But, you know, I, I think – Obviously, if Zeb were not available for the Florida game, Gothier would be the backup. But you would always have that option of just putting Joiner in there and saying, you know, saying go play, basically. Yeah, I think I was trying to think of the whole time you were talking the the term that Beamer used in a press conference when he was asked that question about Joiner. He had he had kind of a funny phrase that made me laugh about. Joiner being an emergency option, basically, and, and I can't think of, of what it was, but yeah, that that would kind of be it. Um, obviously, we haven't seen. What's the last game we even saw the Joiner quarterback package? Wes, was it the Tennessee game? I think is Tennessee. what it was. Yeah, yeah we didn't well, see it. Br- very briefly. Yeah, we saw it for the one play out of that diamond formation. We didn't see it against Vandy. Didn't see it against A and M. So uh, he, he's a receiver. They've been pretty adamant about that. So no reason to think that he's you know going to go play that position against Florida. Right now, I, w- I would anticipate that's that you know it's another guy. Wes, you mentioned some of those linebackers. I was trying to think back, special teams wise. One guy I noticed out there, Bam Scott, playing some special teams out there. Um, I know he was on the the punt coverage team. Uh, noticed that actually on the kickoff or on the uh, punt return for touchdown that Anaya Smith had. Man, that guy's really, that guy's a problem. Really, really good football player. But yeah, Bam Scott got out there. 
he's another linebacker that they brought in in this in the 2021 class. Um, you know, Debo Williams, obviously a new addition that you were talking about, Wes. So, you know, do we do we even see any Bam Scott at true linebacker? I don't think I wouldn't project that we'll see that unless there's some further problems. But he did get some run out there on special teams, which we've seen a little bit there this year. Um, but that that is a positive to at least get him integrated into some game action because he's obviously a guy that they're going to need to come on a lot next season. He, that's a big need for them. Well, you know, that's the other thing about these linebackers, man. You're talking about um, some, some veteran dudes. I mean, Damani is already on. This is his sixth year. Um, Brad, is this Brad? Is Brad a super senior? Or he's got one more if he needs it, wants it. Yeah, so Brad would actually have one more, if unless okay. I'm mistaken. But I think he would have one more. I think he's a fifth year guy this year. Yeah, so you know we'll we'll see what what he wants to do. But point being, um, you know, and and who knows what the situation would be for Sharai Green with with all the injuries. Um, you would think he would be able to to come back, but um, that would not be a guarantee. I don't believe based on the way it's set up. So, so point being, you got to find out on, on those guys if they're going to be able to help you next year and, and start to get them some some real playing time going into next year. All right, so I promised we, we haven't talked a bit of recruiting. That was what I wanted to focus on a bit today. And I think you sort of have – I think there's two things worth mentioning here when it comes to recruiting, Chris. Um, it hasn't been – it's been a little bit slow lately, partially because the class uh, was was – the majority of it's already committed. So uh, your your numbers are already kind of uh, at a point where you weren't going to have a run um, more than likely during the season like you did during that stretch of the summer where it was just like a guy every day or multiple guys some days. But, you know, you look, dude, I I think this is heading, you know, more towards another strong push into the transfer portal personally because – we know that the number they're going to be working with is probably going to end up being much higher than it appeared it would be, you know, prior to the season, basically, um, because uh, the, the basically I think South Carolina will end up getting the seven additional spots. If that happens, now you can fill them any way you want them, want to, but I got to imagine, man, the, the portal is somewhere they're going to have to go again. Well, and, and I think, Wes, so go back to your original point on numbers, 17 guys right in the class. You put two asterisks by that, asterisks, whatever the word would be. Asterisks. Uh, Asteri. Um, so, but you would put two by that. One, number one is the fact that, yes, 17 commitments uh, on the actual verbal commitment list, but it's actually 19, two roster members from this year's class have to count to that 2022 group. They counted them forward is what it's termed. So really you're working with 19. The other point is that they are going to have some type of expanded numbers. The NCAA is granted, you know, one year exemption because of all the super seniors that came back from COVID. You also have the transfer portal in the mix. Now teams are going to be, you know, basically gifted up to seven extra scholarships. So, Instead of a 25 number, your number could be as high as 32. It's not automatically 32. Those extra seven spots all have to replace a transfer out. Now, the thing that we're waiting on, Wes, that I don't think we have final clarification on, 
you know, how many spots will South Carolina have? We can't answer that because number one, the year isn't over. It figures that there'll be some transfers after the year. There always are transfers from every program and across the country after the year. Um, so you got that, but you've also got, we don't really know when the departures, as far as the transfers, when that clock is going to start. So for instance, you think about this year, right? Well, Rosendo Lewis and Ortre Smith both entered the transfer portal in the month of October. That will definitely be two that counts toward that seven, at least. Well, you also have, you know, Jordan Rhodes transferred back in August before the season. So you would think he, he, he would count, but we don't know that for sure. Then you look back, well, in July, Michael Wyman transferred. Uh, you know, you look at some guys earlier than that even. You know, so th- there there are some questions still to be answered in terms of the numbers. But I think, Wes, that I agree with you. The portal is going to be a, end up being a another numbers-heavy spot for South Carolina and a potentially very impactful spot for them. Now it depends on who goes in. After they go in, can South Carolina get in the game with them? Which positions? But we saw, I mean, a really good example from recently, Michigan State, who's having a really good season. They attacked the portal in the offseason. They added some pretty big-time transfers, and it really helped turn their their fortunes around. Kenneth Walker, their running back, being one of those guys. So I think at certain positions, you're going to see South Carolina really hammer the transfer portal again You know, this offseason. And with the circumstances, things being more open now, you know, when Shane Beamer first came in, it was a really weird time and no visits and things like that. It could be potentially even more impactful for them this, for them this offseason. So um, I think, Chris, and I, and I personally would project regardless of when, I think regardless of when the transfers start, I think they'll get, to the full seven. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really without even, you know, without even going like guy by guy and like counting it out and stuff like that. Tra- I mean, we are in a transfer heavy time, you know. And there are always going to be guys that aren't playing uh, at places that say, I'm going to go try somewhere else. So I, I think there, I think you get to the seven regardless. You can't count them for sure yet, but you also sort of as a coaching staff probably have a decent idea already of who on your roster may be considering leaving. So you can go ahead and even if you don't have the official numbers, you already have a pretty good idea of who is going to slide into them. Um, let's see. Let's take a couple of these. T asked uh, rumors of Florida going after Floyd, talking about Emory Floyd, South Carolina four-star DB commitment. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that's not a rumor. That's – Chris, when did we first put that out? I mean, we um, – I October thirteenth, because I had to, I had to, um, I went back and answered a question about it today. Yeah, we we had a report on on October thirteenth about Floyd. You know, Florida has been talking to him for a while. Um, that report, you know, earlier in the month mentioned that he was going to visit Florida. That it was definitely an angle to watch. So certainly not a new development there. That that Emory Floyd is going to be has been you know keeping in contact with some other schools, uh, Florida, Georgia a little bit. I don't. I'm not monitoring that as much at this point. But Georgia a little bit, Auburn some, Kentucky some. I think the Gators are the one you know to watch there in a big way. And I'm expected to take a visit out there. Uh, took his official visit to South Carolina over the summer. 
not, you know, like a definite flip situation for sure, Wes, but definitely one, you know, that we're monitoring pretty heavily. Yeah, and, and not a guy that I think we can say, oh, he's just, you know, having some fun. I, I think it's clearly one worth keeping an eye on, um, you know, but but also one of the most active kids as far as like posting about South Carolina, if you if you believe that stuff on social media as well. So So I don't know. We'll see, but certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, he was a little bit of a surprise commitment to South Carolina when he pledged to the Gamecocks in the first place, for me anyway. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Nick asking with him canceling his visit to Ole Miss, do our chances with Antonio Williams go up? You know, I I think the the thing there with Antonio, who was supposed to, and this is the next guy I was wanting to talk about anyway, he was supposed to visit Ole Miss this past week. Um. The question now becomes, you know, what what's next? Like, it does does that get rescheduled? Ole, Ole Miss has been really considered, guys, to be, I would say, the 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 toughest um, competition here for South Carolina, and you know, it's kind of been a question of how how's this going to play out for for some time now. So, uh, you, you see Antonio's video there on the screen from earlier this year. To me, he's the guy right now, Chris, that you just circled for, for South Carolina. And from a big picture standpoint, the word that the word that I that we get, the word I hear, the guys that are committed on offense right now, even with South Carolina's struggles, um, seem pretty locked in, man. Like Braden Davis seems locked in, the offensive linemen seem locked in, Landon Sampson seems locked in completely, like totally locked in. The question I have had is can South Carolina close on some of these guys knowing who they're battling and knowing, um, you know, frankly, the the struggles they've had on offense. Like, can can you close on these guys? And when I talk about that in general, the guy who I'm specifically talking about in my brain every time I'm thinking of Antonio Williams because to me, dude, he is that important for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the biggest fish in terms of just, you know, being a local guy right down the road from Dutch Fork, being a longtime target the staff's invested a lot in in terms of time and energy and effort. And he's got a great relationship with the staff. They've done a really good job with him. There, there's not anything the staff could have done, could do from an effort standpoint as far as recruiting effort. Now, obviously, would, would it help here if the offense had had a better showing this season so far? There's no doubt about that. doesn't mean their chances are submarined otherwise. But that would have helped, you know. Um, but that it kind of is what it is on that front. But he he's a he's a key guy. I mean, he plays a position of need. He's a local guy. Um, There's so many reasons for it. And you're right. Right now, I mean, the class from a numbers standpoint, it's not full, but it's closer to full than not in terms of high school guys. Beyond that, you're going to see, you know, as we were talking about in the previous segment, a lot of portal activity. So there will be lots of receivers going in the portal this year. I'm expecting South Carolina to be involved with those, you know, as they come up. But in terms of just like remaining targets, there's some out there at several different positions. When you look at like Jay Sean Barham at edge and the need to sign another defensive tackle and need to, the desire to still sign a running back, whoever that may be. But Williams is like the number one guy that always comes to your mind when you think of uncommitted key important targets. Yeah, you know, speaking of running back, man, that's another one. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I don't know if we know who the top target at that spot is going to be. 
Um, you talked to um, the kid from New Jersey, fresh off of his visit. Um, Kanye, do you, do you have a do you have a correct pronunciation on his last name? I don't know for sure. I think it's Udo, but I don't okay. I don't I don't know one hundred percent. You you talked to him. Um, had had a good time, but it, it it seems like there's several guys South Carolina is uh, maybe involved with Chris, but you know they, they've circled back to an extent. Uh, you know to CJ Stokes, they were by obviously watched him play. Um, you know, I guess it's been maybe a month or so ago now. Once they were there, maybe even a little bit longer. But you can see the the wheels turning. They're they're talking to several different running backs. Does not seem clear yet who. Uh, who might be the, the primary target there? What what was your reaction uh, from talking to uh, Udo about uh, his experience at South Carolina, which would have been um, two weekends ago, I guess? Yeah, it was for the Vandy game. Had, had a really good trip. I mean, all, all positive in terms of the trip. Uh, has a, has built a pretty good relationship in a short span of time with Monterio Hardesty, but of course no offer yet. So he's, you know, just kind of one of a few guys from the high school ranks that the staff's continuing to watch. They would like to still sign a running back, but as you said, we don't know who that'll be yet. So he's an option, a possible option that they'll continue to watch. It's possible that at some point down the road an official visit gets scheduled. That There was some discussion between him and the staff uh, during the Vanderbilt weekend visit um, of making an official visit, but nothing on the books yet. So right now just kind of a guy that they're continuing to recruit, evaluate, and watch. Yeah, and a guy we'll be tracking as well. Uh, some other interesting stuff going on, I guess. Um, uh, Caleb Webb, the receiver target for South Carolina that's committed to ECU, got a Michigan offer. Um, James Pierce, I saw, got a Florida offer, the the edge guy for, for South Carolina from up in Charlotte. So uh, T wants to know what's up with uh, Pro Franklin. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on, quarterback at Greenville. There's some people in this state who are very, very high on Pro. Pro was uh, back – at South Carolina's practice, I guess that would have been last week. Um, still a guy to keep an eye on, I think. You know, they have not offered yet. Pro has made it very clear where he wants to be, uh, and that's South Carolina. We'll see, you know, if he, if he maybe eventually gets the offer. Chris, I I don't know if there's a kid in any class that has visited South Carolina more often than he has since recruiting opened you know, again in June. I mean, he's been at South Carolina. He's been at camps. He's been at on visits. He's been on game day visits. He's been at practice. I mean, the kid has sort of, the kid has put his time and energy uh, behind his words, which has sort of been that that this is where he wants to be. Yeah, for sure. And we'll we'll see what shape and form that ends up taking. You know, a lot of people have asked, "Will South Carolina offer?" You know, right now, I don't think so, Wes. But Certainly a guy that, I mean, this staff likes Pro Franklin. He likes the staff, likes South Carolina, and been a lot of mutual interest. You know, what ends up happening in terms of can you can you get him on your roster? We'll have to see because this is a kid that's got some, he's had a good season, he's got arm talent. Um, he's continuing to get, you know, group of five interest. Um, and so depending on what happens there as his season closes out, um, we, we could see, you know, uh, some more activity that may have him end up taking an offer, you know, somewhere like at a group of five program. So still, still some things to sort through there um, as we see what happens, but he is a name to continue to watch um, because he is a high quality player that I'm sure the staff would like to find a way to get him onto the roster, but 
there's some things that you got to work through there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Craig asked, how about South Carolina looking at Lenora Sellers from South Florence? Haven't really heard anything new there. Um, Sellers was on campus. We watched him at, uh, let's see, at the 707, I guess. One of the 707s this summer, I should say. So South Carolina is aware of him. They they looked at him. Um, haven't really heard anything lately or since then. And he, he was an early commit guy. I, I don't remember when exactly that was that he committed, but um he he didn't waste any time at all chris yeah he he was he was early to virginia tech and um i actually like that kid i got to see him play against Irmo and nick him and warry earlier this season and uh south florence won that game big i mean they were can't remember the score it's something you know 62 or 63 to 20 something i mean and sellers lit Irmo up in that game they put up big numbers this season I think at one point, I think they might have lost maybe two games now. So they've had a really good year. He's a big kid who can run, and he has pretty good arm talent. I mean, he's got – throws it with touch, with zip. He's a he's an interesting prospect. He's a very interesting prospect. 2023 kid, which is – I mean, it is really early for him. Jumped all over the Virginia Tech offer. But I'll be curious to see if some people kind of circle back there, Wes, as, as time goes on, because he's got a very interesting skill set to me. Yeah, no, he really does. Big arm. Um, he's committed to UVA, though, right? Because he he was – everybody thought he was going to Virginia Tech, and I think he committed to Virginia instead, because I remember being a little bit surprised by that outcome, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, I always say – for some reason, I always say Virginia Tech. Yeah, it is Virginia. Um, but yeah, bit, dude, big armed kid. I mean, we saw him, we saw him let it fly um, at that camp. Um, and they, his his receivers. I mean, to put it nicely. Um, do you remember? Do you remember when we watched that game of his and his his guys just they were struggling to hold on to it because well, it, they, it was they, coming. It was they've coming been catching him this season. They've been catching him this season. For the most, for the most part, so he's he's done a really nice job, man. Um, having a really good year. Uh, Jamie asked about the kid from Chester, um, South Carolina. Not really involved there anymore, Jamie. Uh, that was an early target, uh, you would say, but uh, not someone that they're after right now. Charles wants to know if there's any news on Stone Blanton. Not not that I'm aware of. Nothing really new there. Obviously, someone South Carolina would uh, would love to have. All right, Chris, you, you got any closing thoughts, man, before we get out of here? No, one, one more thing on Blanton. I mean, <clears throat> Wes, he is still a guy to watch. I just think, you know, he had a great official this summer, um, and he went he went back to Columbia for a game earlier in the season, and that went really well too. But I think as time has gone on, I think the Mississippi schools have more of a grip right now. I think South Carolina has kind of fallen back a little bit is the sense that I get. Obviously, he's still committed to Mississippi State for baseball, but then the football angle, Ole Miss is hard after him there, and obviously they got a good baseball program too. So the in-state schools seem to have more traction right now, which I think you got to expect. He's a Mississippi kid. He's been committed to Mississippi State for a while anyway. You knew Ole Miss would battle. That seems to be the shape and the form that it's taking, but we'll, we'll see. Definitely, man. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, actually, that's not going to do it. You got to tell him about Dead Soxie. Yeah, so Dead Soxy, check those guys out. Here's the graphic. If you're on our stream, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, 
check out their catalog of men's and women's socks. All different colors, all different sizes, all kinds of forms of socks. They're the best. Buttery soft feel, patented no-slip technology. Get 25% off your order with promo code COCKY. All right, and that's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate y'all joining us. Sorry that YouTube Live was not available today. We hope to have that fixed and figured out uh, for any of the shows in the future. For Chris, I'm Wes. Uh, Appreciate all of you joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.